Hello everybody, this is Jen's Green Jam and I'm here again with Molly Scott Cato who was a superb MEP for the South West. She's in Stroud um, and she's self-isolating on her own but it means she's got lots and lots of time to think about the economy and the way it's going and the way it will go in the future. So hi Molly. Hi, nice to see you again. Good to see you again. Um, I've got a few questions to ask you because this is absolutely your area of expertise. I gather after an exchange in the European Parliament, it has been established that you, um, you've got a doctorate in the economy and you're not just making all this up. No, I was and I remain a professor of economics. A professor. So Fantastic. Um, I wondered if you had anything to say about um, what we could have learned about the economy from this crisis that we're going through at the moment. Well, look, I'm not a conventional economist. So I think that's fairly clear. And I've written a book called Market Schmarket, so I'm not a big fan of the market. But I must say what this crisis brings home to you is that mostly markets work quite efficiently in terms of the distribution of goods. And you start to see what happens when markets break down in terms of panic buying and supply chains and so on. So for somebody like me, it's, it's really fascinating. But I think what's happening generally is that people are reevaluating what really matters to them. So everybody you know, realizes that the key workers are really some of the people that we value least in society. And now, once we get into the crisis, we see that they really matter. You know, the bin men, how, how vital they are. The services that are carrying on are not the ones that we've always thought of as the important jobs. And then also we're starting to see the weakness of those long supply chains that we've built up through this process of globalisation. So one of the things I've been doing here in Stroud is encouraging people to get food from local farm shops rather than to try and queue in that endless supermarket delivery system. And so our, our community shops and our farm shops are absolutely thriving. And we've also got a, a local food hub that's delivering. Hopefully I'll get my first food order today. And, you know, I can stay at home because we have these local food delivery systems. And we obviously need those everywhere because they're much more resilient than those long supply chains. But I also think we're learning a lot socially, aren't we? So people are finding it's actually nice to be able to relax and to spend time at home with the family. And many more people could work from home than do currently. And I see people on Twitter saying, you know, even when I could safely go outside my house, I'd rather not have the commute, thanks. So, you know, the ideas of four-day week, more flexible working, also basic income to support people's fundamental economic needs, all of those things that Green Party's always supported. Suddenly, people are starting to see why they're not only important, but could really mean that we have a much better quality of life. So what I'm hoping is that when people come out of this, we're not going to go back to normal. You know, there was a poll this morning that showed 90% of people don't want to go back to normal because they realise that normal was socially divisive and, you know, environmentally destructive. So we've got to work out what the new normal is while we're in lockdown, which is probably about a year, and then make sure we get something much better when we come out on the other side. There's potentially a social divide on this, of course, isn't there? Because there are jobs where you absolutely have to be present and you can't do it, um, you, you can't remote work. Um, and I'm thinking, of course, of the bin men and nurses and, you know, those professions that have been consistently underfunded. But, of course, I suppose if, um, if all of those privileged enough to be able to work remotely stay home, then there'll be more space on the tubes and buses for the people who really have to, to travel. Well, we absolutely have to make sure that workplaces are safe. And I think it was bad advice from the government that 
um, people should continue to work if they can't work at home. They should have distinguished between essential and non-essential work because today we have people in call centres, you know, persuading people to buy things that they probably don't want or need, sitting next very close to other people, continuing to spread the virus. And we've also got a lot of unnecessary non-essential construction work going on. So if it had been me, I would have shut everything down and then had to think about how to make those workplaces safe. And we need the health and safety executive working with local environmental health officers to require every workplace to produce a social social distancing plan. So, you know, before anybody returns to work in my world or, you know, before they're allowed to continue to stay open as workplaces, they have to have that safe social distancing. And one of the other interesting things we're learning is what we actually do in our economy. And it turns out an awful lot of it, I mean, 80% of it is services. Some of that is finance and accounting and so on, but an awful lot of it is restaurants, leisure. Um, I'm not saying that's pointless, but that's gonna be the bit that's hardest to, to have effective social distancing. So, you know, we need to, to really reappraise what people are doing when they're going to work. And I think as Greens, we've always said, it's not about the size of the economy. That's not what really matters. It's the quality of what goes on. And what we're finding is we've got an awful lot of people in very poor quality jobs that actually don't add very much to anybody's well-being. And we should really raise questions about whether those jobs come back in the new economy or whether we support those people through a, a basic income and really find more constructive work, more socially focused work for a lot of people to do, funded through the state. So instead of cutting the, the jobs that make people's lives better, social work or you know, public health, in fact, uh, we should be paying for those and then people could be doing that work rather than the, um, you know, rather depressing, soul-destroying work and precarious work that people are currently doing. You made the point that you're supporting local businesses, small businesses to keep them going and, and perhaps even improve in a lot of ways. But it does seem obvious that in this climate, the tech giants are winning out. They seem to be taking a huge part of the available money and, and, uh, and um, you know, business? I'm not sure about that. I mean, we'll see about that afterwards. Amazon is obviously a, a, a big problem and a, and a huge monopoly that should be broken up. You know, it's not even capitalism, even capitalist theory says that you shouldn't have huge monopolistic players like um, either Google, you know, in the information sphere or, or Amazon. But I think the other thing it's important to, to think about when you say what's essential work is what are the kinds of industries that will carry on into the sustainable future? And of course, one of the hardest hit industries is, is aviation. And Brits are, we are the nation that flies abroad more than any other nation. So I think it's one in 12 of the passengers on an international flight is a Brit. And when you think of the size of our population on a global scale, that's really shocking. And I hope people will not go back to doing that. And we certainly shouldn't be giving public money to industries that are making it so much harder for us to tackle the climate emergency. And those, and of course, the point is, all industry is only surviving at the moment because of public money and therefore we as the public have a right to say how that money spent and you know in my view all that money should go with environmental and climate conditions and so while these businesses are kind of mothballed and their staff are on furlough they should be asked to draw up conversion plans so that again when they come out the other side they're much more socially and environmentally efficient and some of them, we just decide, I'm sorry, but that industry just doesn't have a place in the sustainable economy of the future. And, you know, the kind of really radical transformation of our economy that we need to see if we're going to tackle the climate emergency and have a, a civilised future on this planet 
this is an amazing time when we could be making those changes. And if I was, you know, if I was sitting there anywhere in government, particularly in the Treasury, that's the sort of conditions I would be putting on that financing. Because what would be the point of going through this and coming out exactly the same? We'd still be facing the climate crisis and we should be making sure that this is a transformative time, both socially, but also environmentally. Uh, the sort of issues you're talking about um, seem to be a bit neglected in the upper reaches of decision making in the government. Um, mm. And I just wonder if anything is going on behind the scenes, but I, I don't pick that up. I don't see that happening. Well, to be honest with you, I think there's some hints that people are thinking this way in the European context. They're stating very clearly that the recovery will be a green recovery. We'll see what that means in practice. But the, the chat in Europe is, is very much in this direction with the slogan Build Back Better, which I think you know, we need to bring into use in this country. But to be honest with you, I think I'm not talking about it that much just now because the focus absolutely at the moment is stopping the loss of life. And in Britain, we're not doing very well on that front. And there's going to have to be a lot of emphasis and focus on saving lives and tracking the virus and you know all those kind of things so it's kind of like not timely to talk about the opportunities and it even feels offensive to use that word when so many lives are being lost but this is this is not something that's going to go away soon you know we've got six months or a year and i think what we need to do as greens is to make sure that the changes that are necessary to uh, contain the virus and to deal with the public health emergency then become changes that people really like so people like to breathe clean air you know um, people are finding they can't cycle safely because although there's no cars on the streets most of the space is still taken up you know waiting for the cars to come back well let's not do that let's just turn the cars into cycleways or you know have have single lanes for cars and what about those car parks especially car parks at airports we should be planting potatoes there anyway all those kinds of things you know Things that people see make complete sense right now. They always made sense. And we have to make sure that, that we can retain them when we get through this, this crisis. And to be honest, if, if a lot of streets in town are closed down and children can play there and people can cycle there safely, will people really say, bring back the cars? I don't know. We'll wait to see. I don't have a car. You don't have a car. So we're not typical. But I would certainly love to have many more spaces where you know, that are public open spaces and take a lot of that space back from cars. In the transport world, we don't talk about closing down streets, we talk about opening them up. Very good. Very good. Pedestrians and cyclists and children playing, playing mm. board games, as, as I did when I was a kid back in the 1950s. Um, that actually um, would be a good place to end, except I've got one more question I really, really want to ask you, which is how the government is going to pay back all the money they've borrowed to get us through this crisis. This is really important and you may be surprised to hear that the Financial Times and the Green Party are of one mind on this question, <laughs> which is that we should not pay for this through borrowing from the future and then force future generations to if essentially carry that burden for us. And the alternative to that is to create our own currency. And actually the Bank of England is creating currency now through its QE programme. But shockingly this morning it was reported that the bonds they bought in order to send that money into the economy were the bonds included bonds from oil companies and we absolutely must insist that that money is created through the purchase of green bonds so that it's green QE but also I think if we look at this on a global basis every single country in the world is putting itself into debt right now in order to save lives 
And it would be completely crazy if we went forward and we said, oh, well, we're all in debt, so we're going to have to go into a massive depression now and have years of austerity and hardship and misery to pay each other back for these debts that we that we commonly own. And in fact, I think there's a there's a, a much better way forward, which will be to have the big international negotiation that we should have had after the financial crisis, sort of going back to what happened after the Second World War in Bretton Woods, rethinking the financial architecture on a global basis. We need to do that now. The alternative, I fear, is a Great Depression. And I've always asked myself the question, how do we get into this radical transformation in terms of sustainability, but also in terms of global finance, without having a war? Because if you look back through history, it's often after a war that radical transformation becomes possible. But really, the coronavirus is like a war without a war. In fact, there will be a huge death toll globally. But it is that radicalizing experience that gives us a chance to think about things differently. And I think in terms of finance, we mustn't waste that chance. We did waste it in 2009 when Gordon Brown sort of sadly bottled it. But we mustn't waste it this time. We must make sure that we, we renegotiate the terms of global finance, because that's the only way that we're going to have not only sustainability, but also global equality. Molly, thank you so much. Um, always good to talk to you. And you're absolutely right that we have to get through the crisis and, and, and be concerned about the number of deaths and, and the grieving that we're going to go through as communities and mm. as individuals. Mm. But at the same time, it's incredibly important to look ahead and say thanks very much indeed. Thank you, Jenny.